this morning, let's stand and, and turn to Acts chapter number three. Acts chapter number three, and I hope you know on whom you have believed. Great song this morning. And uh, as we continue our series, I started a series last week on making a difference. Last week I spoke on this thought, care, uh, giving makes a difference. And this morning we're going to move to caring makes a difference. Caring makes a difference, and we'll find that in our passage this morning in Acts chapter number 3, and we'll look at the first 10 verses this morning of Acts chapter number 3. The Bible says, as you read along with me, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with him into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they, that, they, that, uh, they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. How many of you believe the Bible is real? Amen. The Bible is the word of God, right? Amen. And God's word is truth. This isn't some made-up story. It's not some fable. This is the word of God. And from that passage this morning, I want you to think about making a difference in this area of caring, because caring can make a difference. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. I pray that you'd bless as we look at this passage in the Word of God. Lord, be with those that are here. May we not only have hearing ears, but Lord, may we have receiving ears and a receiving heart. Lord, may we respond in kind. May we truly care and not just say that we care. It's one thing to say, but it's another thing to do. And Lord, you tell us to not be a hearer only, but be a doer of the word. Now bless it this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In order for us to make a difference, we must care for those whose lives cross our path. Every day, we have an opportunity to be around people, to meet people, to make a difference in their lives. Caring for others is something that honestly does not come naturally. You know why? Because really the only person that we care about is the person that we see when we look in the mirror. But here's a passage this morning where we see that Peter and John, and I believe it was the spirit of 
first century Christianity was to try to reach out and care about others outside the walls of the house of God. Now, back in that day, it was the temple. In our day, it's the church house, the local church. We understand that, yes, we have an opportunity this morning, and I'm glad you came, that we can come and we can worship God in his house. But do you realize if this building burnt down tomorrow, and I pray that would never happen, that this building is not the church. You are the church of the living God. And we can worship God here in this place. We can worship God wherever we go. And the Bible says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And so much the more. I mean, folks, don't miss tonight. I mean, I'm glad you're here today, but tonight we're going to have a man that is going to take the gospel to his own people in a part of the world where most of us cannot carry a Bible out in public. You don't want to miss hearing what God is doing in this young man's heart and what God has burdened him to do for his own people. And listen, if that doesn't excite you, then at least come for after the service because we're going to have a chili cook-off. We're going to have a bonfire. Last, week, last year we did this. We, had, we, we allowed people to roast marshmallows. I was amazed at how many of our folks had never roasted a marshmallow. I was like, are you kidding me? You've led a sheltered life. I asked somebody last year, do you, would you like to do a s'more? And they said, a what? I said, a s'more. I said, do you know what is, what? What is a s'more? I'm like, are you kidding me? You've never lived. And I, so I had, to, I had to indoctrinate them, you know? I mean, there's good doctrine, and s'mores are right in there when it comes to doctrine. And I had to take that graham cracker and that Hershey bar and that roasted marshmallow, or they call it mallow, you know, and put it all together, and I handed it to them, and they went, looked at me like, I've never seen anything like that. And then they tasted it. I've never tasted anything like that. And I said, s'more in the Greek means manna. That's what it is, you know? And I mean, they, I could, we, we literally, Brother Kenny was like, Pastor, we want to go home. Can you get these people away from the fire so we can put it out so we can go home? I mean, folks, come tonight. It's going to be a family environment. We're going to have a great time. We've got a bounce house for the kids. We've got all kinds of activity we're going to have outside. Listen, it's beautiful weather out there. But the most important thing, is coming to hear how we can meet the needs of people not only here, but in Syria and around the world. In other words, do you care about people? Because we need to be people that care about others. And certainly these first century Christians, they were concerned about people. Yes, Brother Guy, inside our church, a part of our church family, but also those out there that we've never met before. And I want you to see from this passage this morning that there were three components that were given to us that I believe are things that help us to understand how genuine, real care can make a difference. Can I illustrate this to you in a personal way before we begin this morning? I was sitting in my office this morning. I usually get here Sunday morning early. I was spending some time with the Lord. I was going over the message and just, I need that time with the Lord. My phone rang and it was Brother Ian. He called me about his dad. 
He said to me, he said, uh, my dad's in the hospital. He, has, he had a stroke last night, early this morning. And I said, Ian, I, I hate to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. And he began to tell me about his dad. And I, I could have said, you know what? We'll pray for him. And I could have hung up the phone right there, and that would have been the end of it. But the Lord said, you need to quit doing what you're doing, and you need to practice what you're preaching. You need to go to the hospital. You need to care about that man because he cares about you. I didn't have to sit there and deliberate. I've had people that have come to my side, to my wife and my side, to our family's side when we had needs. And I've always been thankful and grateful for people that have cared. Miss Maria, she's funny. I was sitting there and sometimes I, sometimes I kind of get in that pastoral mode when I go into the hospital. And Miss Maria, I could tell she was kind of timid and maybe didn't know what to ask to the nurses, the doctors, and something just started down here and worked its way up. And I mean, I just started firing off questions I started asking about the MRI and when were they going to get the results and what about this and did you, is it, was there something that indicated that caused you to take him in for a second MRI? And Maria looked over at me and she says, Pastor, I'm so glad you're here. See, it mattered to her and to him that I was there. It matters to people when you care. We could say we care. Or we can show it better. And I want you to see the predicament of this needy man this morning. The Bible says in verse number 2, he's described as a certain man. But notice he was lame from his mother's womb. He was carried everywhere. See, the opportunity to care, it always begins with a need. Always. And we tend to avoid the needs of others, and here's why, is because we're needy people. We have needs in our own lives. And this man, as he's described in verse 2, he represents so many in the world today that he had unique needs in his life. And I want you to see three of those needs that he had. Notice, first of all, that he needed strength to walk. This man was helplessly sick. He could not get up and walk. Isn't it interesting how the very simple things of life we take for granted, like walking into church today? This man wasn't ever able to do that. Those of us that want to gripe and complain about how our, our legs hurt or our feet hurt, be thankful that you're still able to walk. It's amazing that this man, the predicament that he had, that he was without strength, that he was like so many in the world today, that not only physically, but even spiritually, they are crippled. But the Bible uses Isaiah to describe man's sinful condition, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? You, you will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there's no soundness in it. 
but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. I mean, the Bible describes mankind, you and me, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Matter of fact, all of us were, are dead in our trespasses and sins, that every one of us are born away from God, not knowing God, just like this man here this morning. The Bible says in Romans 5, when ye were without strength, this man had no strength physically, but he also did not know the Lord as his Savior. He had not only a physical problem, but he had a sin problem, a spiritual problem. And I'm glad that the Bible says that Christ died for the ungodly. That's all of us, folks. There's none good. No, not one. This man's predicament, he needed strength. Mankind, all of us that have ever been born of woman, we cannot save ourselves. We don't have it within ourselves. And this is why Jesus came. You see, he needed strength to walk, but secondly, he needed substance to live. Look at the Bible says in verse 3 of our passage. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked, what did he ask for them? An alms. He asked an alms. Now the word alms is something we would use synonymously today for money, food, some type of substance, a donation, something to give to the poor. And by the way, I realize that we see a lot of people out in the streets and things like that. And it's sad we live in a day that many people who really don't need are taking advantage of the kindness of others. But I do think that we ought to seek out and ask the Lord to give us wisdom because there are those out there that do need just like this man this morning. He was needy. He, he needed some type of financial assistance for the very needs in his life. And this man had no way to, to make an earning, to have an income. I mean, he couldn't work a job. And when you think about this man needing substance to live, he was asking in alms. And when I look at the Bible, I find that even Jesus himself characterized the spirit of meeting specific needs of others. Look what it says in Matthew 25. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, now listen to these words, Verily or truly I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. See, our giving to others, folks, we, that's why, that's why I, I encourage you. Look, I don't hold that over you. I don't beat people about it. I realize giving is between you and the Lord. Uh, understand that the tithe is commanded, but yet when it comes to free will giving to meet the needs of others, that is between you and God. But God's given us an avenue. He's given us a vehicle to do that, and it is through our local church that as we give to the Lord, that our giving is used to meet the needs of those in not only in this area, but around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's described in Proverbs 19. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. Now think about that. Sometimes people say, well, I, I, that's all the church wants is my money. 
Last time I looked at it, and we just saw it right there in that verse, and there's other places. When you give, you might give at church, but you're not giving to the church. You're giving to the Lord through the church. Let me say that again. You're giving to the Lord. You're doing it through the church. The Bible says upon the first day that we need to bring all our offerings to the Lord in the storehouse, the Bible says. And as we give, we are giving to meet the needs of those we are having pity upon the poor. We are lending unto the Lord. And look at the rest of the verse. That which he hath given, will he pay him again? Now, boy, think about that for a minute. I will tell you this. In all my life as a Christian, that when I give, I give willingly. I give out of a cheerful heart. But I never give to get. But isn't it amazing that God says that as you give, I will bless your life. Now that doesn't mean that if you give this week $5, God's going to let you win the lottery next time it gets to $1.6 billion. But I will tell you this, that God's given me health. He's given me a wonderful wife, children that are saved, know the Lord as their Savior given me three eh, so-and-so son-in-laws. <laughs> given me six beautiful grandchildren. A car that stays on the road. I could pay my, my bills. Folks, it's not all about if I give to God, is God going to give to me? No, I never think about that. I just know that as I do, the Bible says that I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God will take care of you. But as he cares for us, he wants us to care for others. So we see this man, he, he needed strength, and he needed substance. He couldn't work a job. But listen to the third one. He needed someone to care. He needed someone. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Now, this man was sitting at the gate called Beautiful. This was the main gate going into the temple area. This man positionally, and the Bible doesn't tell us who, but somebody put this man positionally right at the gate that people would have to go by this man to go to church. Usually people going to church, their heart's different than people in the world. I wonder to myself how many people who went to church, who went to the temple, that were walking into the temple area, walking through the beautiful gate, there's the man.
Peter and John are coming into the temple at the hour of prayer. As they're walking in, the Bible says, look at it again in verse 5. He gave heed unto them. He, he began to lock eyes on them as they went into the temple that day. In other words, in, in my mind, when I read that, I thought this. There was something about Peter and John that maybe in this man's heart was different than the other people. It wasn't like they had something tattooed on them. It wasn't like they were holding a sign. It wasn't like they were anything special. The, 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 the Bible actually indicates the more you discover uh, those that God used, they were just people like you and me. Ordinary people that were filled with the Spirit of God. And as Peter and John went in that day, this man asked them of an alms. He, he expected something from them. He took heed of them. In other words, he hoped that these men were not like the others, that they actually could do something for him. Do you know there are people in the world today, people in Syria, there are people in Japan, there are people in Thailand, there are people in Utah, there are people all around this world that have needs just like that man at the gate that day and they're hoping that somebody that they've never met will care enough about them to do something about it. The Bible says in Psalm, look at this, 142.4, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Aren't those sad words? No man. See, often what people think they need is far short from what God knows they really do need. And can I tell you this morning what people need? The songwriter put it this way, Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eye. Empty people filled with care headed who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides the silent cries that only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. When will they, or should I say, when will we realize people need the Lord? See, everyone's looking for someone to help. Because look, if you've been around any length of time and people have needs in their lives, can I tell you, they've tried this and they've tried that. Something cannot help them, but someone can. You see, that someone is Jesus. Jesus makes all the difference. But can I tell you that Jesus is looking for someone to help those people that have needs. Do you know that God uses people? That God wants to use you? Like God used Peter and John? To help this man that had a great need in his life? Hey, listen, it is exciting to think that you and I can be used of God to bring someone to Jesus. And I see these three needs that this man had. And I see the predicament that he was in. But notice... I see the pity of the caring men because the Bible says in verse 6, now, then Peter said, I mean, here's the man, he takes notice of them, and Peter says, silver and gold have I none. I'm a good Baptist, I don't have any money. That's what he was saying. But look at the phrase, but such as I have, give I thee. Okay, so let's think about this for a minute. 
Peter says, I don't have any silver and gold. I don't have anything in my bank account. So what is it that Peter can give to this man that would really help the man? Because the man was asking for an alms. The man was asking for money. When you see people on the street, what do they want? Listen, this sounds, maybe you've seen this, maybe you've done this, but a lot of times I don't just give money to people on the streets because I know they're going to take it and actually use it for their addictions. So a lot of times if I give them anything, I'll give them something to eat and a gospel track. And when I offer stuff to people, they actually go, no, thank you. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you, are you not standing there holding a sign saying, I, I, I have a need? Now, that granola bar or whatever it is I might have with me, whatever that food is that I give to them, that's going to bring temporary physical filling in their lives, but that's going to soon wear off. But what's on that gospel track has eternal fulfillment for them, and that's what they really need because only Jesus can change their lives. Only the Lord can. I see this situation here where the Bible says that Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Peter had something. What did Peter have? In other words, not only did Peter have it, but Peter says, look, I have it, but I'm going to share it with you. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There's power in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, look at verse number 7. And he took him by the right hand. And he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. When you think about these men, Peter and John, and it could have been any disciples. It, it could have been, it, listen, tomorrow it could be you and I. It won't be at the beautiful gate. It might be at the front door of Walmart. For some people, that is the beautiful gate. <laughs> but Jesus said, listen to these words. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 33, listen to what he said. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Has not Jesus had pity on us? The answer to that is yes. God loves us. Jesus says, I've had pity on you. Shouldn't you have pity on others? Shouldn't you look at others the way I look at others? When you look in your Bible, you don't see the word pity, but here's what the Bible translates the word pity. Two words that come to my mind, mercy and compassion. Mercy and compassion. The Bible says in the book of Judah, some have compassion making a difference. Do you know you make a difference in someone's life when you care about them? I want to make a difference in people's lives. Well, how do we do that? Notice pity has caring eyes to look at the man. That's what they did. The Bible says in verse number four, Peter, Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. I mean, for years, this man had been in this condition and they looked at him. They fastened their eyes on him. What? Listen, here's a question this morning. 
What do you see when you look at people? When you look at someone, do you look at the outward? Because that's what your eye can see. You look at maybe their clothes. You look at maybe the way they do their hair, maybe their piercings, maybe tattoos. I I don't know what it is, but uh, maybe some of the fads that they're a part of. But can I tell you this morning, when you study the Word of God, Jesus saw people differently than we do. And so did Peter and John. Jesus saw them as eternal souls that need a Savior. The Bible says in Lamentations, Jeremiah said, Mine eye hath affected mine heart. Why do you think public television is so powerful? It is true, a picture is worth a thousand words. They put these sick animals or these children in some country. And look, no doubt these things are true, that there are people starving in the world. There are animals mistreated and malnourished and so on. But they utilize that. They actually abuse that privilege to make people give to their need. Listen, this morning, that's not my intention. My intention is to preach the truth of the Word of God, to help you to see, to open your eyes, to open your heart to those that have needs far greater than any need you have in your life today because the greatest need people need is the Lord. Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 9, he says, and when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus saw these people. He saw their condition. Can I tell you that we are guilty of seeing people as not significant. We walk right on by people, just like they walk by that man that was laid there at the temple of the the gate of the temple. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 8, he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and he made him look up and he was restored and he saw every man, look at the word, clearly. You know what maybe you need to do today, just like I need to do in my life from time to time is, Lord, Give me a new prescription. Take me to Dr. Jesus. My eyes need to be checked. Somehow they've got out of focus. Things are blurry. When I look at people, I don't see people as souls that if they perish, they're going to spend eternity without the Lord. You see, if we live that way, folks, if we live our lives in light of eternity, it ought to cause us to have a greater care for those that have needs. And this man was there and he had a need. And the Bible tells us that caring eyes care enough to look at the man. And that's what they did. They looked on the man. Every person matters to the Lord and every person should matter to us. Why? Because Jesus loved and he died for every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. Jesus loves all of them and he cares for them. Caring eyes looked at the man, but notice caring hands lifted the man. Peter and John, they, look, again, I mentioned this morning with Brother Guy, they didn't just say, hey, look, buddy, we want to help you, but can't you see we're going to church? I mean, they went out of their way. One of, my, one of the men of the church, when uh, Sunday school got over with this morning, I walked out and I was talking to some folks, greeting people, shaking some hands, and one of the men walked by, and he, I, I thought he was just coming to church, and I said, I said, hey, how you doing today? I said, did you hear about Brother Guy? And he says, yeah, I just came from the hospital. He came in for Sunday school, turned right around and went out 
So I, 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 gave, I absolved his sins and said it's okay for you to miss Sunday school. I'm just kidding. I can't absolve sins. All right? Some of you are looking at me like, can we do that after church? No. Only Jesus can. But think about this. They were moved to action. They didn't just leave the man there. They actually helped the man up. I love what the writer, the preacher of the book of Ecclesiastes said, two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. It's evident, folks, despite Benny Hinn and others, we cannot raise the dead as Jesus did. But I'll tell you this, that we can reach out to others. And we can help them up, just like Peter and John did this man. Well, how do we do that? With a kind word, through encouragement, maybe a little note, maybe a, maybe a snicker bar might help them on their way today. I don't know what it is, but we can lift people. We can lift their spirits. And when we lift their spirits, when we care enough to get involved in their lives, guess who we're being more like? Jesus. You see, caring eyes, they looked at the man. Caring hands, they lifted the man. See, there are people just like this man who have genuine needs. Do we care enough? Or is it all about us? Now, can I give you the best part before we're dismissed this morning? That if you and I will look at this passage and we'll see the predicament of these people that have needs. And if you and I will have compassion upon them, will have mercy upon them. That Jesus had pity on us, we should have pity on them. Then I want you to see what the result will be. If you get involved in meeting the needs of people, not only in this area, but around the world, here's what you're going to get to be a part of. I want you to see the praise of the healed man. Yes, this man was healed. The Bible says, look at verse number 8 again. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. That's kind of funny because the older I get, I'm one of those kind of people that my family really don't like me in the morning because when I get up, I just hit the floor running. And I jump out of bed and I mean, I'm off. I mean, I'm just, I'm gone. I'm running here, running there. But about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, my battery is worn out, you know. I'm starting to fizzle down. But I've noticed that when I get up, the older I get, I don't quite have the spring in my step that I used to. But boy, I'll tell you one thing. When I start thinking about coming to church, I start getting excited. I start thinking about all the things that God has done for me. It doesn't take me long to forget about that pain that I got right here in my back, and it's not my wife. <laughs> it's a genuine pain in my back right there. It's kind of interesting because it's been there for about two weeks, and two days ago it was over here instead of over here. But there's not a day that goes by that in some form that I don't praise God. Now, can you imagine the people around? They're in church. They're in the temple. And this guy comes in. Hey! 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 Look at me. I'm walking. I'm leaping. I'm praying. Praise God! 
And all these Christians are in church going, what's wrong with this guy? Doesn't he know we're in church? This isn't the library, but, you know, we shouldn't really raise our voice in church. We should never say amen. I mean, we should be, like, serious while we're in here. You need to be quiet. You might wake up some people while we're in here. Shouldn't we be excited when people get saved? Shouldn't we be excited when people get healed? I mean, listen, I wouldn't have been able to contain myself either. I mean, folks, listen, when God does something miraculous, and by the way, God still can. God can still miraculously heal someone. I believe, brother, God can walk out of that hospital. I believe that. Why? Because I believe in God. I believe he's able. Folks, if we don't believe that, let's just turn out the lights, lock the doors, and go home. But I believe we serve a God that still can do the miraculous. And the Bible says here that this man that had never walked, he had never leaped, he had never gone into the temple. And by the way, it's probably safe to assume because of all of that, that he had probably never praised God because he probably didn't have a whole lot to praise God about. But for some reason, God chose to touch this man's life and he used Peter and John. And I want you to see this because his praise was a witness of God's power. I mean, this man, this certain man that was lame from his mother's womb, it wasn't Peter and John. Look, he wasn't going, he didn't go in there and go, oh, Peter, oh, oh, Peter, let me kiss your ring. Peter, let me bow down to you. Oh, Peter, and the shadow that crossed me because it wasn't that at all. It wasn't anything that Peter did other than Peter reached out to the man and says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter says, such as I have. What did Peter have? He had a good dose of Jesus. That's what he had. That's what will make a difference in your life this week is if you have a good dose of Jesus. Some of you that are saved this morning, you ought to remind yourself, I'm saved. Some of you that you've been saved for so long, you've forgotten that you're saved. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's not about Peter kissing his ring ain't going to do anything except maybe give you some kind of infection on your mouth. I don't know. But the Bible says in Ephesians 1.12, look at it, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. He was healed in Jesus' name, not in the name of Peter and John. He was healed by the name of Jesus. It was the testimony of a changed life. To God be the glory when somebody's life is changed. People can argue with our message. They can say, well, that's what you believe. But they cannot deny the message of a changed life when somebody who has never walked, who has never lived, who has never praised God, gets up and walks into the house of God and says, hey, I'm here for church and praise God. Look at me, I'm walking and I couldn't walk before. Can you imagine what it was like to sit down with a meal with Lazarus? Hey, weren't you dead? Hope you took a bath, Lazarus. I'd have been sitting there going, Lazarus. But guess what? It wasn't about Lazarus. It was about the God of Lazarus. This man, he was lame. But his praise was a witness of the power of God. Look, the skeptics, they can argue with the fact that something, oh, someone had changed this man's life. And when he did it, he changed his, well, you look, yes, he healed the man 
physically because God works in our lives. He, he can do that. Jesus did not want to be known as just a miracle worker. And yes, he healed the man physically, but God's working his transformation, that metamorphosis starts from the inside out. Look, when somebody's heart is changed, I remember whenever I got saved and I came to church after I got saved. And, and listen, I hope you understand this. We, we never, we never around this church ever look down on somebody, judge somebody. Because listen, I believe God meets us where we are. And I'm glad, listen, I'm glad for the fact that Jesus doesn't say, look, you change your life. You get your act together, boy. And when you got all your ducks in a row, then I will come deal with you. My God doesn't do that. And I got saved. I had long hair. I know this is going to kind of really, some of you are going to think of me differently today. But <laughs> your pastor's not a perfect person. I, I had some language that probably shouldn't have been a part of my vocabulary. I was doing things, listening to things. I was just kind of going the way of the world. To be honest with you, it was the norm. I didn't know any different. And just like Paul on the road to Damascus, I met the Lord. And when I got saved, and I, I don't ever say it this way, but I've heard people say he really got saved. But when I got saved, no, nobody, nobody came to me in the church that I was attending where I got saved. Nobody came to me and said, hey, your hair's too long. You're not wearing the right clothes. See, I, I believe all of that is the inner working of the Holy Spirit of God. People said, I had a lady one time, I can't come to your church. Well, I said, why not? Because I don't have any dresses. I said, who told you you couldn't come? We don't have a dress code. I wear a suit. That doesn't make me special. I just tell people, listen, come dress your best for the Lord. Whatever your best is, dress it. You know? That's between you and God. But when I got saved, I, the Holy Spirit began to say to me, you know, you need to, we probably need to work on some things. Now, he didn't have much to work with, and he still doesn't, but the Holy Spirit started to show me some things, and I never said a word to anybody. I went out, and I got some different clothes. And again, the clothes don't make the person. God looketh on the heart. I went and got my hair cut. I was a pretty boy before I got my hair cut. <laughs> I was looking through some old pictures yesterday. I went through way too many old pictures tr trying, to find, trying to find some pictures for my, my mom's and dad's 60th wedding anniversaries next week. And so I was trying to put together something for that. And I was looking at some of those pictures going, wow. I, I, I thought, I don't know how many times I thought, I can't believe my wife married me. And um, so I, uh, I, ch I changed a few things on the outside. But listen, the reason those things changed on the outside was because of what God did on the inside. Amen. I'm glad I was in a church like this church that doesn't say, hey, that we have a certain dress code. By the way, that's called legalism. And some of you have been a part of churches like that. There is a, there is a matter of God's grace, God's inner working of the Holy Spirit. And so I came to church, and I walked into church, and I, you know, I didn't walk in. I, had, I actually had a suit on, I had a tie, and I had my hair cut. It wasn't quite as pretty as it used to be, but it was shorter. And I had more hair back in those days, and 
I walked in. I walked past like I don't know how many people, and finally somebody somebody said something to me, and I turned around, and they looked at me, and they go, Dane, is that you? And I said, you didn't recognize me without all the, and, and it was just, nobody said it, but it was almost like, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Something happened in there. You see, people can be skeptical all they want, but you cannot deny a changed life. This man had been transformed, but the best part, yeah, he was walking, he was leaping, but he was praising God. To God be the glory. And see, I see also that his praise was something that was watched by the people. Look at verse 9. The Bible says, And all the people saw him walking and leaping and praising God. And the Bible says, And they knew that it was he which sat. There's no mistake. This is the guy. And you know what that means? That means that they all took notice of him when they went into the temple. You know, they knew that it was this guy. There, There was no mistake. It's the same guy. They didn't say, It looks like him. It could possibly be him. No. I mean, folks, they had only seen the guy ever laid down. They never saw the guy standing upright. They didn't know how tall he was. They they maybe just from the angle, they never realized exactly what he looked like. But the Bible says they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Do you know that this guy, he never needed to preach a sermon? I mean, he just needed to walk. He just needed to leap. He just needed to praise God. He didn't need to preach a sermon. You know why? Because he was a living sermon of what God can do when God changes a person from the inside out. The Bible says that Peter even tells the people what had happened. Take your Bible and look here in verse number 12. The Bible says, and when Peter saw it, in other words, when he saw the people amazed with wonder at what happened to this guy, the Bible says in verse number 12, that when he, Peter saw that, they're wondering, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go, But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And ye killed the Prince of Life, and and whom God hath raised from the dead, whom we are witnesses of. Listen, Peter says, look, it's not about me. It's not about what we've done. Don't give us the glory. Don't praise us for what has happened. He says, look, I want you to know that this man's life, and that ought to be a reminder to you and a reminder to me that every day, As a Christian, when God works in people's lives, there are people around us that are always going to be watching to see what Christians are going to do. And they were probably watching that man that used to be lame, that could not walk, could not leap, could not praise God. Listen, he had a choice when God healed him, when God changed his life. He could have got up from that gate and he could have went back to his house. And by the way, that would have been very tempting to go back to my family. 
that I could not walk home, that I couldn't go by the store and get some roses for my wife that I could never buy on my own, that I could not go get my favorite pizza because I could never walk there. Whatever it is that you and I take for granted every day of our lives, he could have gone up in that that gate in the temple, he could have walked all the way home and said, praise God for what he's done. No, the man actually went into the house of God. He began to tell people, people are going to watch your life when you're going through a time, when you're going through a trial. Right now, Brother Guy's laying in the hospital. And while I was there, Maria, she says to the nurse, she says, this is our pastor. She says, it's so wonderful to have a church family. Our church is Bible Baptist Church. We're just right around the corner. Everywhere I went, back down to the ER, Brother Guy's talking. When I walked in, the nurse was in there. He's telling her, he says, this is my third pastor. He says, not that I've been doing anything to get rid of him, but this is my third pastor since I've been here. And he said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. They were praising God. They were thanking God. And all these people that work in this emergency room and that work in this medical field, they were hearing about this life-changing God. And look, they're dealing with the medicine and with the physical aspects, and we may need that in our lives, but there is something far greater than being physically healed. It is a spiritual healing, and there are people every day that have needs in their lives, and God has given you and me the opportunity to try to meet those needs. The question this morning is, do you care? See, two men, they stopped by a lame man. Nobody else cared. They saw him. And here's the thought that I had this morning. This man, this is sad, but this is a lot of churches today. They do demographics on people and areas in their, in their, in their cities. And they will intentionally only reach out to people that their status of life, that they have a certain income. Because here's their thought. If they come to our church, we can get from them. That is so wrong and wicked thinking. Because this man that Peter and John stopped for, guess what? He had nothing to offer. And they cared about him. They reached out to help this man. Two men helped a lame man. They cared about him. And here's the best part. The man was healed. God got the glory. And watch this. And the people around them heard the gospel. So what does that say to us? If you and I would see the needs, we've got our missions conference coming up. If we see the needs just like this man, and you and I realize that we can't do anything for him, but we know someone that can. And if we see God working in their lives, guess what's going to happen? Other people. Can you imagine if we got behind Jamil Haddad as he goes back to Syria and Jamil starts winning Syrians for Christ and we support him? That means that others in Syria will get saved. And that means that you and I will be a part of reaching them with the gospel. See, folks, I care about every one of you dearly. I really do. But do you know that our care that's going to make a difference has to go beyond the walls of the church house? 
It has to go around the world. Christopher Searcy was playing basketball with his friends on May the 16th, 1998. When Christopher Searcy was shot in the chest, a bullet perforated his aorta. His friends helped him to get within 40 feet of the entrance to Ravenswood Hospital. And then they went inside and they asked for help. The hospital staff refused to help Christopher, saying that it was against hospital's policy to administer aid to those outside the hospital. Eventually, a policeman was able to get a wheelchair and wheel Christopher into the hospital where he was helped by the hospital staff. But unfortunately, it was too late. Christopher died an hour later because those that were on the inside of the hospital would not go outside and meet the need of this man. True story. Do we care? Because if we do, caring makes a difference. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word of God, the power of the word of God. There's power in the name of Jesus. Lord, when the devil comes and tempts us, get thee behind me, Satan. Lord, may we claim your power. Lord, may we realize that we need to care about others the way you have cared for us. As we look forward to this coming Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday night, I pray that all of us would be in attendance, that all of us would vote yes for worldwide missions. Yes to see people saved. Yes to meet the needs of others just like this man. That many, many people going to church walked right by. But I'm glad that Peter and John, that they cared enough to see the man's need and to lift him up. And I'm thankful for the wonder-working power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, bless the invitation this morning. If there's any that need to be saved, Lord, I pray that they would come today. And if there's any that need to take steps in their lives, or maybe this morning we might want to come and just ask the Lord to help us to have a greater heart of compassion, to care, to have pity as you have had pity on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand?